Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. I just love Sunday nights. We had four people for first time decisions for Jesus this morning in church. Some amazing miracles of grace. Yeah, let's give him a hand for God's provision and blessing and overflow. I just thank God for his grace. I was about to walk out of church last Sunday night and a, and a guy had brought a lady along. We led her to Jesus. Someone else came and saw me on Friday and we led uh, them to Jesus. A couple, and I just say, God, you are amazing. God is drawing hearts. We had a 24-7 week of prayer. See what happens when you pray? The Spirit of God just starts drawing people, transforming hearts. So let's keep praying. Let's keep serving. I want to share for a few minutes tonight on transformation. We're not talking about Bayside transformation. I'm talking about the power of Jesus to transform our lives, but not just to set us free, but to set us free for purpose. Romans 12, 1 to 2 in the Amplified says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. That's a very powerful word there to urge him. He's compelling them. To present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in His plan and purpose for you. Wow, here we see that God is transforming us. And transformation is an event and a process. There are times where you come to an altar or you're reading the Bible or someone's sharing, all of a sudden a revelation comes and, and, and a habit or an addiction or a, a lifestyle thing just breaks and changes. More often, it's a process of change. It's a transformation. It's, it's a journey of change. And look what it says there, that, that God is there, and the, when we surrender our lives to Him wholeheartedly, the transformation happens quicker because we're saying, God, have your way. And it says, don't be conformed to this world with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. And we read through the book of Acts, and it seems like there's, there's 10 miracles happen every page. You've got to realize that's over a 20-year period what we have in the book of Acts. So miracles don't necessarily happen every day for every one of us, but there are breakthroughs. There are moments of encounter where our lives are totally changed. But then there's a progressive transformation as our thinking and our values shift and change in the passion version it says of Romans 12 1 and 2 beloved friends what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness experiencing all that delights his heart for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life 
satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Wow. God says we can live a beautiful life. I look out here and I see some people and your lives have become very impacting. And even guys, you can have a beautiful life. It's not about physical appearance. It's something that just is touching lives. There's a beauty. There's an old song we sing. He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. That's out of Isaiah 54. And so God takes the ashes of our life. And many of us, before we knew Jesus, there was some ash some junk that needed sorting out. But as we bring whatever we have (coughs) to Jesus, he starts to turn it into something amazing, something beautiful. Because all of us are created in Jesus' image, but sin and selfishness and the brokenness and pain of this world will scar and damage and tear and throw stuff over us, mud over our lives, and we can look and think, well, that doesn't look very beautiful. That doesn't seem very impacting. Sometimes, some of us are really ugly before we meet Jesus. And I mean really ugly on the inside. The works of the flesh. But Jesus comes and when we surrender our life to him, he begins this amazing, amazing transformation. How? By inwardly being transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Because Many times, before we know Jesus, we don't have the freedom of thinking like Jesus does. We think that we're sometimes no good, or sometimes we think we're better than ourselves, we don't need God in our lives. A while ago, I led a 64-year-old man to Jesus. And he'd came to the end of himself. He said, I always thought I could handle life. And he had this big, tough exterior, but eventually it took him 64 years to get to the end of himself and say, I need Jesus. Don't wait till you're 64. Wow. He's got so many regrets. But now he's encountered Jesus. And if he had any regrets, it would be, I wish I would have done this a long time ago. Letting Jesus be Lord of your life. And then he transformed me. So here's, here's a couple of ways if you get transformed. Number one, it says in the scripture, through your thinking. You start to think God's ways instead of your own ways. You start to think about yourself with true value and not shame and guilt and failure and disappointment and negativity. That's what often happens in our lives. But when Jesus comes, he starts to clear away the ash and the junk and you start to begin to see yourself as God sees you. And that is an amazing thing. You can call it self-image, you can call it your value system, whatever it is. But when Jesus gets a hold of your heart and the Spirit working in you, then you start to see yourself as something that is created in God's image. A son or a daughter of value, of integrity, of blessing, a vessel of honour, not a vessel of dishonour. Because before we have Jesus, there's so much brokenness and dishonour. So our thinking changes about God. We see God not as a God of judgment, but a God of incredible mercy and grace and truth that will change our lives. We start to see ourselves and think about ourselves differently, and we start to think and see people differently. Instead of reacting and clashing with people, say, wow, they're a person created in God's image, but they've still got a bit of ash and junk and pain and scars over their life, and that's why they react sometimes to one another. So you start to have increased mercy and grace. You see people 
for the value that they are. So number one, if you want to be changed, God starts to work overtime on your thinking. That's what it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we come to church and hear a 20 minutes or half hour sermon because we're getting challenged in our thinking. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we sing these songs with such incredible faith-filled words. And then during the week, you can't get them out of your head. You wake up with them in your mind. You're driving to work or you're at home or you're at school and you're supposed to be concentrating. You're going over the song you learned on Sunday at church. And because it is renewing your mind, transforming you. Secondly, God renews us by changing not only our mind, but he changes our attitudes and values. I read one uh, author, I think it was Chuck Swindle, he says, sometimes you just got to play on the one string that you can play on, and that's your attitude. Sometimes you can't change your circumstance, you can't change other people, you can't change um, a whole lot of stuff, you can't change the government, you can't change it, but we can all play the one string of adjusting our attitude. And I thought, well, that's a powerful power. Because when you adjust your attitude, guess what? You start to get more and more transformed. If you have an attitude of selfishness, sometimes of self-protection, survival, judgment on others, we can have so many attitudes of lack of worth and shame and guilt and all those other things. We can have all that. We can have a poverty mentality and all those attitudes. Or you can have an entitlement attitude. Well, I've had a tough life, so someone owes me. Like the chip on the shoulder. Some people are carrying around a couple of logs on both shoulders because they have this thing, well, I've had a tough life, so everyone owes me. Well, that's a dangerous way to live. And some of us have lived that way and know other people that do. But when Jesus comes, he starts to transform and shift that junk off of our lives and he starts to change our very values. So Christianity is not just a belief system in in a God who sent Jesus. It actually changes your values and all that we are and all that we do. That's why the enemy comes so strong against Christian values. And there's a great warfare going on in our education systems across our nation right now. There's a great war going on on our values in families and relationships because the enemy's trying to destroy the identity of Christ in people and the values and attitudes that God's made us to live by. And we need to hold up the Word of God. We need to live by its truth and reality. And God wants to change us into values and attitudes of truth and life. And He wants to bring the values of the fruit of the Spirit. You ever notice when God gets a hold of your heart, all of a sudden you start to get more loving. There's more joy. Look at that tonight. Everyone just celebrating in joy. I thought, wow, that is so awesome. Peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, meekness temperance, endurance, all the different fruit of the Spirit. They're the values that start to change in our life. Wow, so God begins to change us. His truth starts to get a hold of our heart. All of us are good at just telling half the truth to try and save our own skin. But when you become a Christian, truth is not the best policy, it's the only policy. If you don't tell the truth, you've got to have a very good memory to to remember who you what you're told to everyone around you. But when you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory, you just keep telling exactly what it's like. And some of us have had deception over our minds. And you've had a lifestyle of deception to cover up your tracks 
or to try and hide the shame or the things that haven't been right in your life. And the Spirit of God comes and starts to deal with that deception. Now you can live in truth. And there's great freedom comes when you live in truth. It is so powerful. All of us had have put up walls and masks and barriers, but the Spirit of God starts to free us so that we live in truth. And that we waste so much energy. A lot of people get worn out <clears throat> out of shame and fear and guilt over their lives. When all that's dealt with, you've got so much more energy in your life. you just got a freedom in your soul. And I just believe God wants to change our values, our thinking, our attitudes, and also He wants to deal with our relationships. Because if you want to see transformations in your life, you'll start to treat people, your close relationships, your family, your husband and wife, your, best, your besties, whatever, the people in your world, God will get you changing the way you treat people. And it's amazing. If you've been rude or angry or selfish, before the, the night's out, God speaks to you and says, you need to go and apologize to him. Because the Holy Spirit says, that's not the way to treat a friend. That's not the way to treat a family member. That's not how you treat a husband or wife. And so the Spirit of God will start to work on your relationship. Love others as you love yourself. That's what the Bible says. So if you want to be transformed, it's often outworked in your relationships. It's pretty scary when you get half a dozen friends and, an, and a third person asks them, what's your attitude and what do you think that person is? If you give me three words to describe them, it's a scary thing to do when they start to describe who they think you really are. Wow. Some of you are laughing, thinking, well, that's a bit of a scary thought. It is. But if you're letting Jesus transform you, let me tell you, the words will start to change and they'll start to see as loving or respectful or an encourager or caring or just strength. And they'll, they'll start to use words that sound more like Bible words and not words of destruction and selfishness and always just putting themselves up and putting everyone else down. And God's transforming us in our relationships. Also, he transforms our words. If you listen long enough, you can really locate where a person's at, can't you? Some people just blurt it out real fast. You say they're greedy or they're selfish or they're so loving or they're kind or they're, they're just considerate. They're always generous. They're just going out of their way. Their words will, will locate you. And Ephesians 4.29, the Amplified says, Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Ever. Not even excuses when you're tired or sick. Or they deserve it. Or so you think. This is a really challenging scripture. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others as is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favour to those who hear it. I wonder, I wonder if you'd be willing to have a little recorder and record every word you said for a week. <laughs> that would be a real challenge, wouldn't you? Most of us would be hitting the erase button often so that no one heard what we really said. And yet when you let Jesus keep working in your life, let me tell you, 
you won't, have to ha- you won't be tempted to hit the erase button as often because there'll be truth, there'll be life, there'll be understanding, there'll be support, there'll be honesty, there'll be valuing and looking for ways to help people. And when you're tempted to lose it and get angry, the Holy Spirit will say, uh-uh. Ephesians 4.29, that's not going to come out of your mouth. And that's when you know you're being transformed, when your words are adjusting. And I heard the story of the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s. They used to have these coal mines everywhere, and they had these, uh, these pit ponies, horses that used to um, pull the wagons of coal out. And all these uh, men that worked in the mines, they were just rough and ready guys. You know, they would just fall on. They just swore all the time. Guess what happened? They all got saved in this revival, hundreds of them. And when they went back to work, God had so saved them, they couldn't swear anymore. So the poor old donkeys didn't know and the horses didn't do any work because they didn't understand the commands anymore. (laughs) Here's a true story. Because the only way these guys knew how to give commands was with all these swear words. And when they got radically converted, God just cleaned up their mouth and they couldn't swear anymore. They had to retrain these horses with other commands that didn't have swear words in them. That's a sign when Jesus is transforming your life because your words change. You're not cursing. They change. And God wants our words to be changed. And His Spirit's so working inside that what comes out of our mouth is honouring to God and it brings hope and blessing to people. Wow. Some of you are still thinking about that tape recorder, recording everything for a week. That's, That's a scary thought, isn't it? Oh, Jesus. We'll just have it going while we're at church and while we're at life group and while we're hanging out with our best friends. Colossians 4, 6 says in the message, Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not put them down nor cut them out. Wow, wow, wow. And fifthly, another sign that you're being transformed is your purpose comes to line up with God's purpose for your life. I love Peter in the Bible. He's one of my amazing heroes. There was a fisherman, just willing, he was the one who walked on water to Jesus, did amazing things, did some dumb things, cut off the servant's ear, and Shane Willow explained what that really meant, that was destroying his credibility as a priest because he'd, have, he'd be injured. And so it was amazing that Jesus healed his ear. But listen to this, in Mark 8, 31 33, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must of necessity suffer many things and be tested and disapproved and rejected by the elders. And the chief priests and the scribes, he put, he put to death and after three days rise again from the dead. He said this to freely, frankly, plainly and explicitly making it unmistakable. And Peter took him by the hand and led him aside and then facing him began to rebuke him. Peter, he had no fear. He took Jesus on and started to tell him off. Jesus, you're not going to go to the cross. And listen to what Jesus did. But turning around with his back to Peter and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for your mind is not set on God's will or his values and purposes, but on what pleases man. Can you picture this? 
He's telling them he's going to die on the cross and rise again. And they're trying to get it. They didn't want to lose him. So Peter takes him aside and starts rebuking Jesus. That's a really dangerous thing to do. And yet some of us have probably done it. Not directly. Occasionally you might have shaken a fist at God before you knew him and says, God, this is not fair. But to take Jesus out and rebuke him. And then Jesus turned his back on Peter, talked to the crowd and rebuked Peter with his back to him. That's a pretty serious thing going on there. And he rebuked Peter and says, you don't have God's purposes or values in your mind and words right now. When you grow in transformation in Jesus, you will line up more and more with his purposes for your life, for your group, for our church, for our community. And that's a really good sign that you're being transformed when you line up and you don't fight and wrestle all the time saying, God, I don't want to do that. God, that's going to cost me. Lord, that's going to take time to prepare to fulfill that calling on my life. Lord, that means I've got to discipline myself. I've got to pray. I've got to get up early so I can be on worship team. Lord, I've got to, I've got to make some changes and sacrifice if I'm going to study your word so I can be equipped as a leader. And all these things. And you can, you can argue with the purposes of God. But let me tell you, when you start to line up with them and stop arguing and just say, yes, there's a flow happening in your life. There's a freedom flows in your soul. There's a fresh energy released. The Bible says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. You ever wrestled over a decision? You sort of, yep, no. And you just get worn out. You get worried. You get tired. You can't sleep properly. And finally, you make a decision. Yes, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to step out and do what you've been trying to tell me for weeks, months, or years. All of a sudden, it's like this load lifts off, and then you've got fresh energy, and all of a sudden, you're going for it. I think, why didn't I do that weeks or months ago? Double-minded man is unstable in all your ways, because when, God, when you're wrestling with God's purpose and plan, beloved, if you don't respond, everything starts to fall apart. The wheels start to fall off your life. The work just becomes hard work. Your relationships start to get a bit testy and crazy, and things just don't work out. But it says, when you line up with God's purposes... There's a flow happens in your life. And I believe as many young adults here, you need to make sure your life is lined up with his purposes. He's given you gifts and opportunities. It says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. I thank God I found Jesus fully when I was 17. And I gave my youth fully to God. I lived a full-on adventurous life. have done so many amazing things. But I'm so glad that God got a hold of my life when I was 17. Maybe you're 27 or 37 or old and you're still sorting out the surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Let me tell you, get in line with His purposes as quick as you can. Find out what they are and stop wrestling and fighting against God. Jacob found out if you fight against God, you'll end up, He'll, he'll give you a, a limp. Hit his hip socket and he limped the rest of his life because he was wrestling with God. Don't wrestle with God. Just surrender as quick as you can. And say, Lord, show me your purposes and just keep saying yes. Wow. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed, gratefully praised and adored by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant and boundless mercy has caused us to be born again. That is to be reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for his purpose. God's given you a singing gift or a music gift or a creative gift or ability to learn and study and care and support. He's given you those gifts so that 
it can be blessing for his purpose and you'll get fulfillment, you'll get financial blessing, you'll get a joy which is way beyond any natural achievements. And you'll be tested on it. You'll be tested on it because God wants to know where your heart is. Is this about your identity or about his pleasure? If you honor his purpose, you'll get the overflow in your heart and your life. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, I just want to wrap it up with this. Romans 8, 28. <coughs> the Amplified, it says, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Wow. Many people, I know many young people say, I want to just do God's will, but I don't know what God's will is. He makes it very clear. God's will is to give thanks in all things. God's will is to say yes to the Holy Spirit. God's will is to surrender your gifts, present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's a whole lot of things that are clearly God's will. If you do those, in the general, the specifics will then get clear. It really, really well. What about the passion version? Romans 8, 20. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives for we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His divine, designed purpose. Wow, wow, wow. I love the Passion Version. It's just got a freshness and a reality to it. God's called all of you for His purpose. No matter what age you are, no matter what season you're in life, God's call and purpose is on our lives. And the quicker we surrender that and stay in line with that, the more fulfilled your life will be. Make good and right choices. If you want to stay in God's purpose, you need to make good choices. Many young people here may be searching for the right partner for their lives. I want to encourage you, make sure you seek God and don't just let the outward appearance and the hormones that pump in your body decide what goes on. Make right choices for God. Make sure if you're looking for a spouse for your life that you seek God with all of your heart and he will draw you, he will connect you with the right person of his plan and purpose and you'll make right choices for the right reasons. And I just want to encourage you because the, the friends you hang out with and the spouse that you end up marrying will determine a whole lot how well you're going to achieve God's purpose for your life. And if you've been through the pain of broken relationships or separation or even divorce, that doesn't mean you're disqualified from God's purpose. It means there's some pain and scars. God can heal you and then he will actually work out. It says God will work all things together for good. Even the painful, difficult things that happen to us or even when bad choices have happened in our lives that we've made or other people have made, he will turn it for good. Let's listen to the message version. Romans 8, 26 in the message. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. 
Well, well, well. God is transforming us for his good, for his glory. That song we were singing before, show me your glory. And his purposes are to flow through you to help others. So even if some painful stuff has happened or is happening, or some frustrating stuff is not happening yet, God can turn it all for good. The pressure of the circumstance can actually push us closer to God and closer to our destiny, or it can cause you to pull back and say, God, I don't trust you anymore. Which way are you going to go? You're going to walk in closer saying, God, I don't quite get this yet, but Romans 8, 28, it's still in the Bible. I'm going to keep believing all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And that includes all of us. The Bible says, grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Just keep growing. We're here for a lifetime. We don't know how many years or decades that is. I turned 60 last year. I can't believe I'm 60 years old. I feel about 35. But I've known Jesus now since I was 17. So what's that? 43 years. And those years have rushed by, but we've had the most amazing adventure. But Marilyn and I feel like we're still just starting sometimes. There's so much more. And he accelerates our journey and fruitfulness can happen. And let me tell you, when you honor God, he will give you energy and a freedom and a flow in your life that others cannot understand. It's the Spirit of God because we've just determined we're going to keep saying yes to the Holy Spirit. We're saying, God, what's your purpose? We never make any major decisions in our life of saying, what's your purpose for this season of our lives? And the flow and the energy. And there's been pain and there's been difficult. There's been times of physical illness, but we've just refused to be diverted from the purpose of God because we've learned a long time ago that that verse is true, that he can turn all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Let's stand in his presence. So God's transforming us, changing us from the inside out. Can we do that uh, last song that we sang? Um, Chains Fall, whatever that's called. Jesus changes everything. I don't know the names of songs, I just start singing. What's it called? Holy Ground, is it? Wow. I write new songs every day. I just change the words and make my own songs up. The kids used to get so frustrated with me. God spoke to me when I was a teenager and said, you're going to write songs. Well, I don't write many of my own, but I change a lot, so I'm I'm creating all the time. I forget the words and and I just start singing. (laughs) I just want to take just a couple more minutes before we finish tonight. We've just got a few minutes before our time. But I just want... I just feel the Spirit of God calling some people to say, hey, don't strive against God's plan. Let Him change your thinking and value system because He's working overtime in our lives. Why? So that we can be in His purpose and then He can change others and bring them into the kingdom. This is not about us only. It's about Him and others. That's why one young person was, a young lady was really struggling with God's plan. And a pastor said to her, just remember joy. Jesus, others, then yourself, and you'll have a good life. Very simple. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. If you do it that way, you'll generally have a good life. 
doesn't mean you ignore your own needs or health and looking after yourself, but our priorities, Jesus, others, yourself, then often God's blessing will just overflow your life. So don't forget that joy, Jesus, others, and yourself. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.